You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. James Clear. You're a uh, entrepreneur, a, a traveling photographer. You've been to 20 plus countries, and uh, you're also an author. So, um, tell me a little bit about your journey and how did you get into entrepreneurship and and uh, everything else that uh, excites you. Sure. Yeah. Well, first, thanks so much for having me. It's it's great to be here. I appreciate it. Um, I guess the the easiest way to look at my background is I started and came from like the sports world and from uh, from this interest in like health and wellness and fitness. So I played baseball all the way through college, a variety of sports when I was younger. And then um, I was also a science major. So I was studying biomechanics in, uh, in undergrad. And then in graduate school, um, I went to business school, but I also worked at a medical practice uh, in between my first and second year. So I had these different different touch points with health and wellness and fitness. And then while I was in graduate school, I was studying in, in the Center for Entrepreneurship. And so that was sort of where I got the itch to start my own thing. And when I did that, uh, I started started my business and, you know, first couple ideas totally flopped and I had no idea what I was doing. And as I'm sort of finding my way through, one of the things that made a big difference for me was understanding the psychology of what drives people to buy something. What, you know, how do you get inside someone's head and understand what they want um, or understand how to provide some value to them? And so that led me down this path of researching the psychology of, of user behavior and of customers. And then as I started reading more of the research, I naturally took those ideas and was like, oh, well, this might work for business, but I could also apply this to my weightlifting workouts in the gym or to nutritional habits to help me eat better. Um, And so because I had this background as an athlete and as someone interested in science, I naturally started taking the psychology and using it for that. And that was a few years ago. And then for the last couple of years, I've I've taken all the research that I did on the on those topics and started applying them to the science of habit formation and the science of how we change our behavior and sustain things for the long run. And so that leads me to to where I'm at now, which is this interesting intersection of health. So I talk about I draw on my background as an athlete, uh, business. So I talk about being an entrepreneur and and building businesses and then creativity and my background as a photographer, which is another hobby of mine. But the central thread that ties all these things together is behavior change and the science of habits and sort of mastering our mental performance. And so by having these different touch points in the real world, and the background, the science-based ideas and psychology behind it, um, I think I'm able to, to write about some, some relatively interesting or at least practical things that we can all use in, in our day-to-day work as entrepreneurs or as creators um, or just the day-to-day quest that we have to live a healthy life. Wow, that's crazy, man. It sounds like you're a very uh, well-rounded type of guy and you've got a lot to bring to the table. So that's great, man. So Recently, we actually posted an article, which was like something like the 10 habits of the ultra successful, right? And then it did really well. I think it got like 40,000 views in the first week. And it's funny because I think that people are really interested in the uh, subject of, you know, habits and how to create new habits. So what would your advice be in the way of creating a new habit and sticking to it? There are a couple things that you can keep in mind. Uh, The two largest drivers of behavior, I would say the first is environment. 
Um, and then the second is the size of the behavior or the scope of it. So let's break each of those down. So environment, um, consider, you know, take for example, say you have a hundred people and you were to place those hundred people on a beach somewhere, most of them would feel relatively relaxed and stress-free. If you take the same hundred people and place them in a war zone, most of them will feel stressed and anxious and fearful. And this is completely independent of the type of person they are, their background, their income level, their you know, socio-demographics, all this other stuff, right? It has nothing to do with that. It's simply a response to their environment. And those are extreme examples, but the same type of thing happens in many tiny ways each day. So the items that you have on your desk at work can impact your productivity or the amount of tabs or things you have open on your screen can impact where you uh, direct your attention online. The food that is sitting on your counter at home can impact the choices that you make in the kitchen. You know, like if I walk into the kitchen and there's a plate of cookies on the counter, I'll eat them just because they're there, not because I wanted them, right? It's just a response to the environment. There's this visual stimulus and I just respond to that. Same is true for me, at least with fruit. If I have like bananas or apples just sitting on the counter, I'll walk by and just eat one just because it's there. I don't even have to be hungry. And so this idea that environment shapes your behavior in many tiny ways that we often don't even realize can be a very powerful way to drive or stick to new habits. So if you walk into most living rooms, for example, all the couches and chairs face the television. So it's like, what is that room? What is that environment designed to do? Right. It's designed to get you to watch TV. Now, I don't think you have to redesign or change your entire layout of your house, but you could definitely shift a few things to make new habits easier. So, for example, if you wanted to watch less TV, you could simply structure the environment to make it a little more difficult to do that. You know, you could, if you want to be kind of extreme, you could unplug your TV and put it in the closet. If you really wanted to watch something, you could just get it back out and plug it back in, right? But you're making sure that your default behavior is more, um, is more on the productive side. Similarly, you could take the remote and maybe tuck it away in a drawer and put a book in its place so the remote isn't like a visual cue prompting you to turn the television on. Or you could hide your TV behind like a cabinet doors so that you don't see it right away. The, all of these things are little choices that you can make to make your environment more beneficial or more pr uh, to promote the good behaviors than your environment. And this is a strategy that B.J. Fogg, who's a professor at Stanford University, calls designing for laziness. And the basic idea is how do you design so that your lazy behavior is a better one, right? Um, his example was he wanted to eat less popcorn. And he liked popcorn. He didn't want to get rid of it totally. But he went. To, he took it out of the pantry, walked down the hallway, went to his garage, climbed up the ladder, and put the popcorn on the highest shelf in the garage. Now, if he really wants to eat it, he can just go out there and climb up and get it. But if he's designing for his lazy behavior, for his default action, when it, what he does when he's feeling exhausted, he's not going to go get the popcorn. So how can you design to make your lazier default behaviors better ones? So that's, that's the first piece. Environment plays a big role. The second piece is, <clears throat> excuse me, the second piece is the size of the behavior, the scope of it. So the smaller the behavior is, the easier it's going to be to stick to it and to initiate it. In many ways, building better habits is just an exercise in getting started over and over again. Like if you start the habit today and then you start it tomorrow and then the day after and the day after that, eventually you have this string going and it's like, oh, it's a habit. So really all of your energy should be spent on figuring out how to make it easier to start, not necessarily how to do some big, amazing, grand thing. So one of the examples that I use a lot 
Uh, for me, I, I, I lift every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in the gym, but I wanted to add some push-ups to my routine. Well, rather than picking something large and difficult for me to do in the beginning, I started with a really small habit. So just 10 push-ups was all I was going to do. And that takes less than 15 seconds. There's really no excuse for not doing it. Um, and it's incredibly easy, but some people might be like, no, you know, I want to work out for 45 minutes today, or I want to make sure that I sweat or work out so I feel exhausted. I think this is the opposite of the approach you should be taking. You should start with something incredibly small, something that almost seems so small that you can't say no to it or that you wouldn't get results from it. But by focusing on just making the behavior, the, the, um, the focus and just repeating it over and over again, rather than worrying about the result you make it more likely that you'll fall through. And then once you build this habit, then you can improve and escalate from there. So start with something incredibly small and try to design your environment in a way that promotes good behaviors. Awesome, man. Awesome. Let's say like with uh, building your business or working on your business, how should you structure your, uh, your morning when you first wake up? Sure. That's a great question. I think when it comes to entrepreneurship and business habits, one of the greatest things that you can embrace is this idea of simplicity and this idea of eliminating the distractions. In many ways, in many cases, building better habits or making better choices, doing the most productive thing for your business is simply an exercise in getting rid of all the distractions. If you get rid of the things that are bad choices, it becomes a lot easier to make a good choice. So I'll give you an example or a story that highlights one thing that you can do for this. Uh, Warren Buffett, as the story goes, uh, was talking to uh, one of his employees. This employee, this guy's name is Mike Flint. He was Buffett's personal pilot for like 10 years. And uh, Flint was talking to him about his career aspirations, things that he wanted to do um, throughout his career. And Warren Buffett said, all right, go ahead and write down like the, your top 25 goals or so that you have for your career. And so Flint wrote them all down, one through 25. And he said, okay, now I want you to go back through that list and circle the top five things that are most important, the five that you care the most about. So he took some time, did that. And he said, okay, now, you know, how do you feel about this list? What are you going to do now? And he's like, well, okay, I have my top five priorities. So obviously I'm going to work on those first because those are the most important. Um, but then he was like, okay, well, what about those other 20? What are you going to do about that? And Mike, the pilot said, um, okay, well, you know, these are still things that are important to me. So They'll get a dedicated focus from me every now and then. I'll work on them when I have free time. Um, you know, I'll be able to mix those in when my, my five main ones stall and so on. And Warren Buffett looked at him and said, no, you have it exactly wrong. The five that you have circled, those are the things that you work on without fail. Those get all of your attention. The 20 that you didn't circle, this other list, that is your absolutely do not do under any circumstances list. And one of the reasons for that is because the things that distract us the most and have the highest likelihood of derailing our productivity and pulling us away from the big wins are things that we could rationalize, that we like, that we would enjoy, right? right? Like these are numbers six through 25 in your list. So these are things that you want to do, but they're not the highest leverage choices for you. And I think that for any entrepreneur, being able to distinguish what those things are, those one through three, one through five, those top choices from items six through 25, that is a huge skill set. And in many cases, the risk is not that you sit around and don't do anything all day in your business. The risk is that you do the seventh most important thing rather than the most important thing. And so figuring out a way to always do that number one goal, that's probably the biggest win that you could have for your business. Yeah, no, that's great advice. So basically putting like a number next to what is the uh, top priority and kind of working your way through it. 
Absolutely. There's another strategy that you can use here. This is a, it's called the Eisenhower box. It's named after Dwight Eisenhower, famous U.S. president. And he had, he had basically four quadrants. So on the top, a list is either urgent or not urgent, and then important versus not important. Those are the two. Okay. So if it's urgent and important, you should do it right away, right? If it's important, but not urgent, then it's something you should decide when you're going to do it. So these are the things that people often put off. It's like, oh, I know I should exercise, but I just haven't got around to it. Or I know I should be reaching out and talking to my family and friends or prospecting for new business, but we just can't seem to find time for it. So these are things that are important, but not necessarily urgent. You need to find a time for when to do them. And then there's the third category, which is this is urgent, something you need to get done, like maybe scheduling an interview or booking a flight or something like that. But it's not really an important action for you. It doesn't move the business forward. Um, that's the type of stuff that you need to delegate, that you need to share with whoever your team is, you know, to hire somebody out to do that. And then there are things that are not important and not urgent. And this is all the things that we do to waste time, Facebook, television, so on. And those are things that you should try to eliminate. But um, making those distinctions is another way to think about it. So if you find yourself really struggling ranking the different things, you know, if you use the Buffett strategy, you're like, oh, well, I don't really know if this is number two or number four or number eight. Um, try doing that Eisenhower box and figuring out, okay, is this something important and urgent? If so, then I need to be doing it. If it's, you know, something else like it's urgent, but it's not important, then I should probably delegate that out. So you can use those quadrants to rifle and, and silo your different tasks as well. Yeah, no, thank you, man. Thanks for that share. That's great. So what would you say would be um, the most effective way to achieve your goals? Oh, I think, okay, most people, when they look at goals, they have like a 90% focus on goals and a 10% focus on systems. So we're always thinking, uh, you know, out in the future this is especially true. I think of entrepreneurs and business builders because they're always planning for that next milestone. We're always saying, you know, if I make a million dollars, then we'll have a successful mm -hmm. business. If we crush this product launch, then I'll be happy. If we, you know, reach, if we get featured in the New York Times, then I'll be satisfied. We're always looking at this milestone that's in, you know, that's in the future. And so we spend a lot of time thinking about what our goals are, about where we would like to, to go and what we would like to achieve. But we end up spending very little time thinking about the systems that should get us there. So, I think that we should have it flipped rather than being 90% goals and 10% systems. I think it should be 90% systems, 10% goals. So have a general idea of the direction that you would like to move in. For example, I would like to get in shape or I would like to grow the business. Okay. So you know where you're moving. Um, but you should spend most of your time thinking about how can we automate this process? How can we make this consistent? How can we build a system to commit to doing this over and over and over again, rather than getting worried and focused and wrapped up in the result. So for example, if you're a coach, your goal might be to win a championship, but your system is what your team does at practice each day. If you're an entrepreneur, your goal might be to build a million dollar business, but your system is the sales and marketing process that you follow each week. If you're a writer, your goal might be to write a best-selling book, but your system is the publishing schedule that you follow each week. So by spending 90% of your time on that system, on how do we improve this? How do we make this automatic? How do we build this into our schedule? How do we make small incremental gains and improve the system each week in some way? If you do that stuff, the goals are almost irrelevant because you continue to improve each week and you're doing the work that matters rather than getting wrapped up and predicting the results that you hope will come. And I think, you know, in addition to this idea of 
always putting happiness off if you're focused on goals so much of saying, oh, I'll be happy when we get there. You, you know, you force yourself to not be happy in the moment, but you also sort of embrace this idea that, um, that you can predict the future, which is, you know, completely false. And if we were to ask any of us, we would say, oh, of course we can't predict the future. But every time that you try to lay some goal out there for where you're going to be in three months or six months, that's exactly what you do. And if you make progress or if something else happens that you couldn't predict and you don't hit your goal, then all of a sudden you feel like a failure, which is, you know, useless relatively because you just made the number up or you made the goal up in the beginning anyway. So by focusing on the system rather than the outcome, I think you can have many, uh, much more productive results over the long run. Yeah, no, thank you, man. Thanks for revealing that to us. I think um, a lot of people get disabled by the hope, right, of reaching that goal instead of actually looking at, all right, what's the strategy, how we're going to get there, and let's focus on that. So, yeah, that's that's awesome advice. Thank you so much. Now, do you have any um, apps or any kind of programs that you would recommend or books you'd recommend uh, for those that are struggling with uh, creating new habits or sticking to their habits? Sure. So there are a couple different things. As far as apps go, I'm pretty old school and prefer just like pen and paper. And like I said, I think the most powerful strategy that we have is elimination. So if you can get rid of the things that distract you in some way, that will be the biggest win. If you look at pretty much any top performer in nearly any industry, you take, you know, Richard Branson or Oprah, or you look at athletes, you look, you can look at almost anyone. What they have done is they have decided to focus on becoming world-class at like one thing. And they master that one thing over and over and over again. And they commit to that and they eliminate everything else. They're probably terrible at all sorts of stuff. Maybe they couldn't play a musical instrument or they're not good at, you know, whatever the task happens to be. They avoid everything else so that they can focus on that one thing that they're world-class at. And I think that that basic strategy will make a bigger difference than anything else when it comes to productivity. As far as what to read to build new habits, there are a couple of good books that are pretty good choices. Um, the Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg is a, a good summary, I think, of how habits work and sort of gives you a general idea of the process. There's a book called The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal. She's a professor from Stanford. And the reason that book is good is that it showcases the things that hold your willpower back or why your willpower gets fatigued. And then provide some strategies for overcoming that. So I mentioned earlier, in many ways, building better habits is just an exercise in getting started over and over again. And so if you can master your willpower and have enough willpower and motivation to get started each day, then you have a new habit built. So that's a, that's a great one to look at. And then there are a variety of exercises and strategies that I put together in a free guide. Um, so if anybody wants to download that, it's called Transform Your Habits. And they can get that at jamesclear.com slash habits. All right, we'll make sure that we uh, put a link up to that as well underneath this podcast for sure so that you know people can access it straight away. Sure. Awesome. And uh, do you have any events coming up uh, anytime soon? Yeah, so I'll be speaking in London um, at the Hacking Happiness Conference in mid-November. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. That should be great. And then I'll also be speaking in Miami, Florida uh, at an entrepreneurship event with Entrepreneur Magazine down there um, the following week. I believe that's November, uh, around November 20th or so. Um, yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. Wonderful, wonderful, James. And just to kind of wrap things up, like what would be your top three words of advice uh, for those that are looking at achieving success? 
Hmm. Well, I think focus would probably be a big one. That's the theme that we've already talked about, uh, you know, throughout this conversation. So I think deciding what you want to be good at and focusing on that um, and eliminating the distractions. The second, I would say, is building that system, uh, focusing on how are you going to do the work on this thing each week. Uh, there's nobody who's who's ever been like, yeah, I'm passionate about this or I love this or I want to work on this. And they do it once or twice and became world class. It, it's uh, it's a consistent thing that you have to focus on over time. And then um, the last thing I would say is don't push happiness off until some future milestone. Allow yourself to be happy in the moment, to be happy while you're working on the task, while you're working on um, building your skill set, rather than thinking that it's something that you'll get to once you're good enough. Awesome, James. Thank you so much for sharing your amazing words of advice. And hopefully we can uh, show some entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs out there how to do it the right way and how to create amazing new habits. So uh, I really appreciate you sharing all your words of advice for us. Thanks so much, Joel. I really appreciate it.